It's Pentecost Sunday. Are you guys ready? Get your Bibles out because we have a lot of scripture today. The Word of God is my favorite. How about you? It's so good. It's loaded with treasure, with good food to eat, with good sustaining life. Amen? So we're going to start in Mark chapter 9. We're going to be in the New Living Translation. We're going to be in the NASB. We're going to be in the NIV. We're going to be in the TPT. So just stay with us because we are so pumped for what God has for us today. We are wrapping up our series, Intimacy, Identity, Increase. Out of intimacy with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we know who we are, whose we are, where we belong in the kingdom of God, and then we move in increase, right? Do you have that memorized yet? Are you guys awake? Are you with me? It's Pentecost Sunday. I better hear some whooping. Okay, there it is. All right, that's better. You guys are really quiet. With the kids gone, it's like, whew, and a hush fell over the crowd. Right? <laughs> Will you stand with me really quick? Do you remember the hymn? They were in an upper chamber. They were all in one accord. When the Holy Ghost descended, as was promised by our Lord. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now and baptize everyone. That song has been playing in my head all week long. Would you put your hands open to the Lord this morning? Lord, we open our hearts, we open our hands, we open our minds, we open our ears to hear from heaven this morning. We want to receive your revelation of your spirit. Holy Spirit, come settle in this place in a new and a fresh way. Send the wind, send the fire, send the power from heaven again and again, God, again and again. We don't want to get tired of it. We don't want to be like, oh, here it is again. Oh, Holy Spirit, we will never tire of your power, of your fire, of your strength, of your revelation of your counsel, of your peace. Send your fire again on this beautiful valley. Let revival pour out here through us. We, we say today, through us, as our surrender on our open hands, let your spirit pour out and let this land once again radiate the light of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In your name we pray, amen. You can sit down. You can stand, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Increase comes from a relationship with Jesus, correct? Our message series has been a transformed mind, Romans 12. We've been in Romans 12. If you haven't caught up with us, read Romans 12. It is loaded with goodness about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus and a follower of his word and to live like he lived, to move like he moved as believers and as the church. Romans 12 is amazing. And it begins with, you are renewed by the transformation that happens in your mind. That you become a brand new creation. Amen? So we started our message series with my redemption is my transformed mind and my transformed heart and my transformed body. And I am now one with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I get to move and have my being in him. Then we went into servant of all because the result of being with Jesus, when he came, he said, I have come to serve. Amen? So what are we to do? What are we to do? What are we to do? Serve. Serve. Who? Who else? He said the Lord. Everyone. The church. They will know us by how we love each other. They will know Jesus by how we serve and how we love one another. 
our actions towards one another is more of a witness than us going on a street corner or going to the store and and shouting the gospel. Our actions towards one another should be the power that overflows from inside this building that's like something is happening there and I want to be a part of that family because I see a family. Amen? And it's because we serve one another in humility. It's not about me and my way. It's about his way, and I get to serve you in it. Amen? So good. And then we have this crazy fellowship that happens that we talked about last week. We are in fellowship with one another. Out of our unity, revival flows. Out of our unity, revival flows. Travis talked about it. Does that mean there's never going to be any conflict and it's going to be this beautiful utopia? No. Conflict is an opportunity for more glory. We need to love each other through our stuff and love each other in our stuff to see God's glory shine through. Not judge each other, not condemn each other, not tell each other what we think of each other, but serve one another, love one another, and let the power of God flow through that. And that creates a unity, a synergy in the family like I was just talking about. And that is how our community will be changed. So today's message is transformation. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. Transformation. I put in parentheses next to this, miraculous multiplication. Because when you are transformed, something happens inside of you. Increase of the kingdom of heaven, right? The kingdom of heaven is within you because of the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus. So when transformation happens to you, and then you join with other believers, it's like bringing your, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm bringing my little light, and I'm joining my little light to your little light, and your little light, and your little light. And then what happens to our light? It sets the house ablaze. Amen? Transformation, miraculous multiplication. You matter. You matter in the body of Christ. Don't say, I don't need to be in church. I don't need to be with other believers. I'm good. I've got this God thing figured out. No, you matter. And you being here is crucial to the church thriving and advancing the kingdom. Amen? Just like Ben praying today, and he's not a senior, but he took the opportunity to say, I want to bless my brother and my friends, and I know that I can pray heaven down on them. You matter in the, in the body of Christ. There's nothing more beautiful than you saying, yes, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. An amazing recipe are all of these things for the gospel to advance. You put all of these power-packed ingredients into a group of people, and you have the church. What's our quote for this series? The renewed mind transforms a person. A transformed person transforms a family. And a transformed family transforms a city. Jesus came for our transformation, reformation, and redemption. In Isaiah There's prophetic words that we read on Wednesday night about the rebuilding of ruins. I want to speak to you prophetically. You are here for such a time as this to rebuild the ruins that have happened in this valley. Amen? I don't believe we're here for coincidence, and I'm not over-exaggerating anything. I believe that this ground once belonged to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the people that inhabited this place. And we are here to inhabit with glory, not with judgment, not with condemnation for the people outside these walls, but like Donna said, with the love of Jesus Christ. And only by the love of Jesus will this city truly see transformation. Come on. Were you transformed by judgment? Were you transformed by condemnation? You were transformed by the crazy love of God that came into your life and wrecked you good. I can't believe he loves me. And maybe you're in that place right now where you are just completely overwhelmed. But if it's been a while, you've been saved a while, don't forget that first love that you encountered with Jesus. And let that continue to blaze within you. So I did a word study on the word transform since that's the title of our message, transformation. Transform is found and is known in the Greek as, in the Greek 
I think of the, my big fat Greek wedding. Anyway, in the Greek, it's metamorpho. What does that remind you of? Metamorphosis. Metamorpho is the Greek word for transform. To transform, here's the definition, to transform, change after being with, I love this, change form in keeping with inner reality. The meaning of the word transform is to transform or change after being with, change form in keeping with inner reality. When you know who you are and you know whose you are, the inner reality and the knowing that you are a son and a daughter transforms your mind, transforms your thinking, and transforms the world around you. After being with who? Jesus. And so it took me to a a series of scriptures as I studied this, and I want to start with Mark chapter 9. Because Jesus went through the transfiguration. How many of you remember reading this story? He went to the Mount of Transfiguration, and he took three disciples with him. He didn't take all 12 that day. He only took three, Peter, James, and John, sons of thunder. How cool is it that Peter, James, and John got to go with Jesus onto this mountain to experience something that proved, come on, these guys were the authors of the New Testament, And they got to go with him to this place of intimacy with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And something crazy happened. So let's read this together. Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth. Some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. In this part of the passage, he could be speaking to the three that came with him to the mountain He could be talking about the day of Pentecost, but I'm telling you, great power arrived. Amen? On him, in him, through him. He was the son of God. This passage proves that once again, his glory. Verse 2, six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. That's that Greek word, metamorpho, the same one, transformed. And his clothes began dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. How cool is that? Can you imagine like Elijah and Moses just poof? I mean, and, and then, what would they do? Like, Jesus knows who they are. And so, like, would they have hugged and high-fived and, like, what's up? How are you? Like, what happened in that moment when these two men who were men of God show up in that cloud, in that presence? Peter then, I love Peter. He blurts out. In some translations, it says, Peter blurted out. Peter exclaimed, Rabbi. It's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say, for they were all terrified. Let's build an altar. Let's do something. Like, what is happening? I could, I could imagine myself blurting something crazy out like that. Jesus is like, hey, listen. Verse 7. Oh, just So Jesus is glowing. Okay, keep this in your mind. His clothes are like beaming white, like whiter than bleach, glowing. His face is glowing. Elijah and Moses are there. How did Peter know it was Elijah and Moses? Isn't that an interesting thought? I don't know. I'm just asking. Okay. I love the Bible. Guys, if you think for a second that something is weird, shake it off. Because God is crazy cool and he is limitless and he does crazy things that we can't put words to. Amen? And sometimes I think we get in church and we think we have to be like this, this, and this because it's church. And God's like, blow up your boxes and just worship me and let what I have planned happen. Whew. Come on. He's cool. He loves to heal and show up in powerful ways. And he still does it today. I just want to make that clear. 
Verse 7, then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this, my dearly loved son, this is my dearly loved son, listen to him. The word overshadowed is the same word used to describe what happened to Mary when she conceived Jesus. The Spirit of God came upon her, overshadowed her, and she conceived Jesus. The Spirit of God was overshadowing him and saying, this is my son. Once again, he did that at his baptism. He, He showed up and the heavens opened and a dove, the Holy Spirit, descended on Jesus. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased when the Holy Spirit descends upon you Jesus and the Father are saying this is my beloved daughter my beloved son in whom I am well pleased come on he is pleased with you he calls you by name doesn't that mess somebody up in the house I mean whoa I've never seen a dove but I'm open to it come on All right, I'm going to give you a little bit of details from the commentary. The transfiguration revealed Christ's divine nature. Because I'm like, why? Why the transfiguration? Why did this need to happen? So I did a little more digging. It revealed his nature, his divine nature. The disciples had not visibly seen the divine come. They'd seen him move in miracles and power. But they hadn't seen him in all his glory. And they got a glimpse of the glory of God that day. God's voice exalted Jesus above Moses and above Elijah because they were well revealed, revealed, revered. They were well revered by the Jews. God's voice exalted Jesus above Moses and Elijah as the long-awaited Messiah with full divine authority. Moses represents the law. Elijah, the prophets. Their appearance showed Jesus as the fulfillment of both the Old Testament law and prophetic promises. He fulfilled it all. Jesus was not a reincarnation of Elijah or Moses, which some claimed. He was not merely one of the prophets. As God's only son, he far surpasses them in authority and power. There's a point to this. Why are we talking about the transfiguration on the day of Pentecost? Because that same power that came upon Jesus that day when he was transfigured, that same power, that same glowing glory, that same lightning striking craziness is upon you and in you. The Bible says that same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in. Yeah. You should look at your sister or your brother sitting next to you and go, whoa. Rick, that was kind of pathetic. (laughs) Fire of God inside of you. Travis is going to continue on, but we're talking about transformation for a reason. Because when you encounter the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit encounters you, you're never the same again. So if the transformed mind transforms a person, And a transformed person transforms a family. And a transformed family transforms a city. Where is the beginning of the transformed city? In me. The transformation of our cities, which is why we are here for such a time as this, to see our cities and our county transformed for the glory of God. That is how we are about our Father's business. The transformation of our cities, though, must have happened internally first because you cannot give away what you don't possess. And so when that transformation has happened internally, we can then give it away to somebody else. We can infuse heaven into another situation because It's the power that I already carry. It's already happened on the inside. The transfiguration of Jesus is also part of our destiny. The same Greek word is used twice in the New Testament for believers being transfigured by the renewing of our minds 
and by the glory of Christ within us that will complete our transformation into Christ's image. Twice in the New Testament, the same Greek word, metamorpho, is used when talking about you and me. And the one we've already been talking about for the last three weeks, Romans 12, 12. It's on the screens. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Do you understand when your mind is renewed, the transformation that takes place in your body is the same thing that happened to Jesus on the mountain with Mo and Eli. That happens to you. It's the same Greek word. You become infused with glory. You radiate the light of Christ. You have been washed clean, whiter than any bleach could ever make you. See, at conversion, our minds are renewed. The moment you say, Jesus, take hold of my life. I give you everything that I am. I am yours completely. In that moment, you now have the mind of Christ. Your mind is renewed immediately. You no longer have the same thoughts. You have a new brain. Your mind is renewed. You're given the mind of Christ. That's what 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says that. Who can know the thoughts of the Lord as to instruct him? But you have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have the ability and the capacity to think like Jesus. No matter the situation we encounter. Through intimacy, the Holy Spirit reveals the thoughts of Christ. And empowers us to think like him. Through intimacy, the Holy Spirit reveals the thoughts of Christ, reveals the nature of the Father. You begin to learn what his voice sounds like. You begin to learn how Jesus thinks, how he sees, how he moves. And you then become empowered through the Holy Spirit to move and think and see just like him, just like Jesus. Stop downplaying your potential. Stop downplaying your identity and who you are. You have the same glory, the same power living within you as Jesus did. Humanly speaking, no one can, do, can understand the mysteries of God without the Holy Spirit. No one can understand the mysteries of God without the Holy Spirit. John 16, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit reveals all truth. It's why when Jesus, when he would speak in parables, the only people who would understand the parable is those who hungered for truth, his disciples, his followers. No one can understand the mysteries of God. That's why any person can read the Bible. Any person can open the book and read the words on the pages, but the Holy Spirit is the one who gives inspiration to what you're reading reveals the truth behind the words, the power behind the words. We have to have the Holy Spirit working within us. Those who have the Holy Spirit now possess the perceptions of Christ's mind and can implement his purposes on earth. Those who have the Holy Spirit, we can understand the mind of Christ and then implement his will on earth to be accomplished why are we transformed? Go back to Romans 12 too, Troy. We talked about this three weeks ago. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we may prove what the will of God is. When we possess the mind of Christ, we can implement his purposes on earth. His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And you get to live it out and walk it out and demonstrate the reality of heaven wherever you are. You get to demonstrate the purposes of the kingdom no matter where you are. No matter what day of the week it is. No matter how young or old you are. No matter how long you've been a part of the family of Christ. You get to walk out kingdom. We can evaluate any situation from heaven's perspective. The loss of a loved one. How many have been there? The loss of a loved one. 
we can think like Jesus in that moment. A terminal illness. How to love my neighbor. How to serve my city. How to help an addict recover and find freedom. When I lose my job. When I get a promotion. In any situation we encounter, because we possess the transformed mind, the mind of Christ, we can approach it from heaven's perspective. How, what do I do, Jesus? How do I even begin to understand? How do I begin to move forward? How can I help this person? I don't know, but Jesus does. Jesus is never caught off guard. Jesus was never left speechless, not knowing how to respond. Jesus always had the answer, and that same power lives within you. You have access to that same wisdom, to that same compassion, to that same understanding. Listen, I encounter situations on a daily basis that I have no idea how to, how to speak into this person's life, how to give wisdom or direction. I don't have a clue. I'm young-ish. I have a lot of learning and growing to do. But I know that your age is not a determining factor. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. You have all you need. You lack nothing. Move forward. Just be willing. Obedience is better than sacrifice. It's about obedience. If Jesus calls you to do something or you step into an unknown situation, just step in. Just be willing. Open your mouth. He'll give you the words. He'll give you the understanding. He is that good. You can evaluate any situation from heaven's perspective and then infuse heaven into that situation through the glory that you carry. You carry the glory of God. Look at someone beside you and say, you carry the glory of God. Okay, now look at that same person and believe it this time when you actually say it. I see way too many wives looking at husbands, and I know you're not speaking truth. All right, so listen. I'm not just making this stuff up just because it sounds nice. Okay, the second time in the New Testament we see this same Greek word for transform, metamorpho, is in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all... No one is excluded. The playing field has been leveled. All of us with unveiled face. No veil. When Moses came down off of the mountain, he had to wear a veil to cover his face because he literally, like Jesus, was glowing with the glory of God. And every one of the Israelites who saw him, encountered him, was terrified. They said, Mo, 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 you gotta cover that up, man. Because the glory of God was powerful. But to us who have been redeemed and sanctified, we can now approach the throne of grace boldly. We can now step into the holy of holies directly with no fear, with no veil, with no shame. Jesus is beckoning us to come in. Get back to the scripture, okay. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. The same image. You are made in his image. You are his image. From one degree of glory to another. What does he mean by that? He means the glory of the old covenant, the glory of the new covenant. The glory of the new cannot even begin to compare with the glory of the law. The law led to death. The new covenant leads to life. And you are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. As we gaze on the beauty of Jesus with an unveiled face, we are transformed and we reflect the glory of God to everyone we encounter they see Jesus when they look at you. They see Jesus when they hear you. They see Jesus when they watch you. Parents, your children see the glory of God and how you love them. Husbands, your wife encounters the glory of God and how you love her. 
We carry the glory. We carry the power to every single person we encounter on a daily basis. What will you do with what you possess? Will we be intentional? Will we be disciplined in our thoughts, knowing that everyone we see, this is an opportunity? Will they see Jesus? Will they encounter Jesus in me? Or will I pass by this moment? So, okay. John 17, 22. This leads into our next point. Jesus says, I have given them, this is, as he's praying, he's speaking to his disciples, talking about the church. And he says, I have given them the same glory you gave me, so they may be one, as we are one. He's praying to his Father. And he says, I have given them the glory you gave me, I've given to them. They now possess it. The glory is theirs, so that They may be one. We can be one. As closely as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one. Can you imagine the power behind that kind of unity? The the same ease and confidence that Jesus walked with the Father in those three years as he was on earth, we together as brothers and sisters of one family can walk hand in hand, arm in arm, in that same unity and bring that transformation. It is possible and it's going to happen. We're going to see a church like we've never seen a church and it's just not Lifeway. It's all hands on deck. It's all of us together. Personal transformation leads to corporate transformation. Unity. Romans 15, five through six. You gotta look at the screens for this one. Read every word of this with me. Now may God, the source of great endurance and comfort, grace you with unity among yourselves, which flows from your relationship with Jesus, the anointed one. Then, with a unanimous rush of passion, you will with one voice glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. I fell over when I read that. With a unanimous rush of passion, you will with one voice He's not just speaking to Lifeway. He's not just speaking to the Pentecostals or the Charismatics, the Evangelicals. He's speaking to the Big C Church, the worldwide church. One voice. Imagine the influence we had if every church was speaking the same language. If every church was loving with the same love of Jesus, this world would be saved in days. Days. Romans 12, 16, we read this last Sunday. Be of the same mind toward one another. Paul speaking to the church. Be of the same mind toward one another. The New Living Translation, it translates this, live in harmony. I'm a musician, I love music. How is harmony created? Amanda, Paul, guys tell me, how is harmony created? What do you need for harmony? You need multiple voices. You need multiple notes that play together, that complement each other. Is there any harmony in that? No. But if I add a different note, and add another note, and add another note, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But I didn't repeat any of the same notes. I used different notes that joined together to create something beautiful. Unity is not uniformity. We can all look different and still create something beautiful. We, we don't want everybody to sound the same or look the same or act the same. We need everyone in your uniqueness that comes together in agreement of one thing, Jesus is Lord, Everything else, it doesn't really matter as much as we think it does. And we come together and work together and join together our voices so that with one voice, we may glorify God. 
with one voice, the world hears the love that we have for each other. Acts 1.14. Oh, this is um, after the ascension of Jesus. This is, they're, they're praying for a disciple to replace Judas. And the disciples, the apostles were together. And it says, all these were continually devoting themselves with one mind to prayer. The Aramaic there, it, it's translated, they all prayed with one soul. They all prayed with one soul. Can anyone, I, I heard this the other week and it, it really, really impacted me. Um, there was one prayer that Jesus prayed that has not been fully realized yet. What is it? Go to the next screen. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. The only unrealized, unanswered prayer that Jesus prayed that has not come to pass is that his church, his body are one. The result of the United Church is the transformation of our city. John 14, 15 through 17, verse 23 and 26. I'm going to read to you really quickly. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me. And he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside of you. Verse 23, Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word. And my father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. Verse 26, but when the father sends the spirit, the spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name and he will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. When Jesus came and he walked with the disciples and he was explaining to them, this is before the, the death and resurrection, he was explaining to them that he wasn't going to be with them much longer. Can you imagine the freak out that was happening on the inside of them that Jesus wasn't physically going to be walking and talking with them anymore? But he said, don't worry, don't be afraid, because I am sending you, and my Father is sending you a promise, the Holy Spirit, and he will guide you into all truth. Amen? So can we as believers do life without the Holy Spirit? Can we transform our city without the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit of God? Is the Holy Spirit something that we keep in the cupboard and get out when we need it? Is the Holy Spirit an it? The Holy Spirit is the third part of the triune God. And the Holy Spirit lives where? Why? Because Jesus died for you and made it possible for the Holy of Holies to live within you. Amen? And because of that power, because of that fire of the Holy Spirit, we're able to do things we can never do on our own. This doesn't, we're not about just creating these crazy superhuman Christians just so that we can show off. We are <laughs> humble servants going after the broken, the lost, and being that hospital that Jesus said we have come to be. Amen? Through who? The Holy Spirit. If you don't have a daily conversation with the Holy Spirit, I invite you to start. It's pretty fun. Holy Spirit, I need your help. How many of you pray that prayer often? Holy Spirit, I need you to speak to me. I need you to guide me. Keep in step with the, come on. Holy Spirit is weaved into every part of our lives as believers in every part of the church. We don't exist without the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost. Because when the Holy Spirit came, the church was birthed. Happy birthday. It's our birthday. It's time to celebrate because this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it because the Spirit of God came down in a mighty rushing wind with fire from heaven and came upon and in the believers on the day of Pentecost. 
And if you keep reading in Acts and in the New Testament, it happens again and again and again and again to the Jews and Gentiles alike. Is anyone exempt from the power and infilling of the Holy Spirit? (laughs) They were having conversations and sharing testimonies about how the Gentiles were getting saved. Well, should they receive the Holy Spirit? The consensus was yes. If they're receiving Christ and they're getting baptized in water, we got to give them the fire and the power. Amen? And so they would go and they would lay hands on them and pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. That same spirit is moving and breathing and having its life in this body today. But you will receive power to what? Why do you need power, Kyle? To be, he's like, don't ask me. <laughs> to be my, to be my witness. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? It's the finished work of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's not this special. Yes, there are gifts that come from the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is part of our salvation. It's part of our redemption. And the Holy Spirit then is our guide and our peace and our strength and our comfort. You know, we call ourselves Pentecostals, but that's another word that we use to divide us from everyone else. We are believers in the way and the believers in Jesus Christ. And at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit filled us and we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I would say that we are spirit-led believers, amen? No division, no walls, no names that separate, but only unity in our language and how we love one another. That's important, church. Acts 2, Holy Spirit falls and fills every believer in the house. Let's go to that because it's the day of Pentecost and we have to read this. Acts 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And it says in chapter 1 that they were fervently praying. Are we fervently praying for an outpouring of of the spirit of the living God on this valley? Are we of one mind devoting ourselves to that prayer? Amen? I believe that we are. I believe that 100%. Okay, back to my notes. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So not only do we have power and authority with the Holy Spirit, we get languages too. And it continues to say that, As they prayed in the Spirit, as the Spirit gave them utterance, people outside began to hear. It was a witness of Jesus. They began to hear them praying in their own languages. And they began to be attracted when the sound hit the city of Jerusalem. When the mighty rushing wind hit the city of Jerusalem, it changed the atmosphere of this city. And the transformation came that day. Because when Peter then said, yes, he, 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 he was sitting there praying in the spirit, which he'd never done before. And he gets up and he goes out and he begins to say, they're not drunk. This is the truth. I'm going to tell you about Christ, about the son of the living God. I'm going to give you the gospel. And he got up and he preached and 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus that day. Can we do this Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot. I love how Peter, in verse 37, 38, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And before that, it says that they realized what they had done to Jesus. And they were full of remorse. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And he baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
It's not just repent and be baptized. It's receive the Holy Spirit. Amen? This promise is to you and to your children and to those far away. All were the far away people. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. I cannot imagine giving one message and 3,000 people running to the altar. Can you? Come on. How cool would that be? I want to see it with my own eyes. Because that same Holy Spirit that they received on the day of Pentecost is alive and burning within me and within you. And we have the same power and we have the same authority. Will you stand with me? The result of the day of Pentecost was a church on fire. Oh, Jesus. The result of the day of Pentecost was a church on fire. No more timidity. No more pulling back. No more hiding out. Come on, we did that last year. We had to. And we realized how much we need each other and how much we live and breathe and have our being as one body. It's important that we come together. But it's also very important that we get equipped and we go out through the power of the Holy Spirit. Another pastor said it. Like this, a tragedy occurs when we have a greater confidence in the return of Christ than we do in the power of the gospel. My assignment is to live in and display the power of the gospel. The return of Christ is for the church. The power of the gospel is for the world. Amen? We can't just be hanging out waiting for the rapture. It's going to be a great day, guys, but we have so much in store. And it's not work in the sense of, oh, I've got so much to do. It's, okay, Jesus, let me walk in rhythm with you. Let me, Holy Spirit, breathe life into me as I go to this person. Give me words and divine perspective on that person so that I can reach their heart for you, Jesus. It's not about me. It's not for me. It's not about what I make or what I store up here on earth. It's about the treasures that I get to store up with you in heaven. Come on. When we move and have our being in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are offered an invitation to see the kingdom come. Our our vision statement is kingdom come. And the only way that will happen is if the kingdom comes through you, and the kingdom comes through you, and the kingdom comes through you. Kingdom come, kingdom come, kingdom come, kingdom come. Your will be done. A church that wholeheartedly pursues the Holy Spirit and the activity of the Spirit will overflow with the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Come on, it's not just about tongues. For a long time, we got hung up on the gift. The gift is awesome, and it comes as a result of receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll receive a language, and that's beautiful, but it's the result of being with the Holy Spirit that the fruit of the Spirit pours out of you, that the gifts of the Spirit pour out of you, and that's where transformation happens. Amen? Without the fruit of the Spirit, without the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can't love each other and be one like Jesus prayed. You see, you will receive power was a promise that you can overcome every obstacle, break through every barrier to be his witness here and now. Jesus is standing in front of you with a gift. The Holy Spirit is not just a gift. Jesus sent Holy Spirit as your life source. Come on. Your power, your ability to receive revelation about his word, his will, and his people through the Holy Spirit. Speak in new languages, receive knowledge, prophecy, wisdom, healing, Why would you, if Jesus is standing in front of you with the gift of the Holy Spirit, why would you say, no, thanks, I'm good? That might make me look a little crazy. How many of you are over worrying about what you look like? Oh, man, nobody raised their hand. How many of you are over what you look like? Because what, if you're worried about what you look like, it will stop the flow of the Spirit of God in your life. you got to get over it. No more worrying about the favor of man. Only the favor of God is what matters. 
The Holy Spirit is here and now in you and through you. Just like getting into that tank for water baptism, ask the Spirit of God to immerse you in the power of God. No limitations, no doubt, no shame about what it should look like. Just let your power set my heart ablaze to live, act, speak, pray, work, witness, heal, rescue, just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. Whoo! If you have already done this, keep drawing from the river of living water. But if you want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, it is that simple ask. Immerse me, God. Immerse me. Don't worry about what happens. Don't worry about the results. Immerse me. Let that be your prayer. And rivers of living water will flow out of your belly and will flow out of your mouth. Amen. So I want to open the altars to you. I want our altar team to come. And I want you to take time. I know I don't have a clue what time it is. And it really doesn't matter. Because it's time for the Holy Spirit. And it's time to pray that prayer. Immerse me. Immerse me in your holy fire, God. Immerse me. Amen? So we need to come into the presence because we have a job to do. And it's citywide, countywide, statewide transformation. And it's through a unity of heart and mind. So he wants to show you things, reveal things to your heart that you don't think you're good enough to do. But through his power, you will accomplish. I'm going to dive off the stage. Woo! So if you want prayer, if you want to pray on your own, you're welcome. But make that your prayer. As I was praying last night, I'm like, Lord, what is it that we should speak? What is it that we should say? He said, just ask for me to pour out. And just to be like you laying down in that tank of water. That's the best visual. He says, follow me in this. Repent. Get in that tank. Lay your life down. Raise up anew. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on. And that's for everyone. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to sound just a certain way. Holy Spirit, come. Immerse me. Immerse me. Immerse me. So come to the altar if you feel led. And move as you feel led in Jesus' name.